Let's start our Dhamma talk with the Namatasa. Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa title of tonight's summer talk is Jumping Over the Edge, Dealing with Fear. Fear is an experience that we are all familiar with. In every retreat, this topic of fear comes up during the interviews. And so I assume that all of you are familiar with this experience called fear. Or is there anyone in this room who has never experienced fear in his or her life? Please, hold up your arm. I've definitely experienced fear and, to tell you frankly, I still experience fear at times. So, I'm not yet completely done with it, which means more work to be done. There are different kinds of fear or different objects which can cause fear to arise. So for example, to mention a few, there is the fear of heights or the fear of the dark or fear of certain animals such as scorpions, spiders, snakes or mice and rat. When I was staying in the meditation center in Mobi in Burma in the forest center there was an elderly Burmese lady who came every year for for a retreat. Mimi, my Burmese friend, and I, we knew her quite well. And so one day as she was nearing her uh, retreat, we met her as she was walking to the meditation hall, and so we started to engage in a conversation with her. And somehow then the topic shifted to mice and rats, which are plenty in Burma and also in the center. Uh, We had them around. And so then, as the topic shifted to that, she said that she had such a, a phobia of mice. And actually, she could not uh, pronounce this word, she said, you know, these little grey animals with the long tail. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she said she had it since she was young and that it stayed with her um, up to the present day. 
And so, you know, even hearing the word mouse or mice uh, would make her uh, afraid. And she said, uh, when talking about these little uh, animals, she could go as far as saying, you know, these animals, M-O-U-S-E. Another kind of fear is the fear, for example, of speaking in public or to perform in front of an audience. Then there is the fear in relationships, the fear of not being good enough or not coming up uh, to the expectations. Then there is the fear of ghosts invisible beings and quite a number of meditators uh, in the meditation center in Burma, in the forest center have uh, reported to the Sayadaw or to us, Mimi and me that uh, either they had ghosts in their kutis or that somehow uh, they encountered ghosts and so if that's really true, then there are many ghosts in that forest center. Then there is this fear of robbers or bandits, and that was a particular fear I had when I was young. At a certain age, um, every night when I had had to go to bed, I was so afraid to go to bed because there were robbers under my bed. And they had long knives, and if I would go too close to my bed, then they would cut my feet. And so, in order to go to bed, I always had to jump onto my bed from a certain distance. But then the next morning when I got up, the robbers were not there anymore, so... I was not afraid uh, to get down from my bed. Then there is also the fear of pain, of painful sensations, related also to sickness and pain, painful sensations. This is, of course, a topic that also comes up during a meditation retreat. And then there is also the fear of the unknown, the fear of letting go what is familiar, the fear of letting go of what is known, or the fear of crossing the comfort zone. So fear is a very deep issue and it's also a very challenging one. Fear can manifest in different forms and it can be caused by different objects. But where does this fear come from? And why are we afraid? Fear comes basically from our wrong view 
and wrong identification. This wrong identification with something that we think in terms of me or mine. And so this act of identifying me, mine, this is based on ignorance, on not knowing how things really are. And so as long as this identification is there, fear is bound to come up. So when we think in terms of me, mine, especially my body, then with this we automatically get also the notion of myself or I, the ego. And this ego, the notion of self, depends on ignorance, on not knowing to exist and survive. And so to protect itself, the ego creates this whole web of reactions. And fear is one of these reactions. Of course, it's an unwholesome reaction. So when we are afraid, when we are frightened, when we are overcome with fear, then the important thing is not to ask ourselves, what am I afraid of? But the important question to ask is, what is fear? How does fear manifest? How does fear feel like? Fear is a very strong emotional or mental state and very often it clearly manifests in our body. It can manifest as a lump in the throat or as a feeling of constriction in the chest or as a pressure around the heart can manifest as a jittery feeling in the stomach or it can be a loud, uh, the loud pounding of the heart. Fear can manifest as the shaking of the knees or as a trembling of the whole body or can manifest as a raising of the pulse. Fear, with its various manifestations and various objects that can cause fear to arise, it is said that the basic fear is the fear of death. And it's from this basic fear of death that all other forms of fear spring up. The fear of death is the fear of losing what is so dear to us, the fear of losing our life. So when there is fear, one of the basic functions of fear is to assure our survival. 
so when our life is threatened, then the immediate reaction is either fight or flight. So we either try to defend our life or then we run away from the source uh, of fear to uh, save our life. However, this basic reaction of fear not only arises when our life is in danger or when our life is really threatened, but fear also arises in less threatening situations. And it basically arises with any threat to our well-being. And this may be our physical well-being, our emotional well-being, our mental well-being, our spiritual well-being. And so, in this form, as a threat to our well-being, then very often this fear is an anticipation of future pain or discomfort. As I said, fear also arises in our meditation practice. And so now I will, now I will talk about some aspects of fear as we encounter it in our meditation practice. So Vipassana meditation is learning to stay present and observe what is actually happening in our body and mind. Learning to stay present and observe it so that we can come to understand these processes happening in our body and mind. So it means that we should be honest to ourselves and accept whatever comes up in our body and mind. It's not choosing our favorite object or rejecting and suppressing those objects we don't like or we think they shouldn't be there. So fear is an object that can arise, and it does. And so therefore, when fear arises, it's just another object that should be observed. It's not by avoiding fear that we can overcome it, but it's only by facing it directly. So we need to really understand and realize what fear is. Only then will we be able to overcome it. If we look at the list of the various mental states that can arise together with consciousness, we do not find fear in this list. It's not uh, they are listed separately, but fear uh, is an aspect of dosa, which is one of the mental factors, and dosa 
stands for all forms of aversion, anger, hatred, ill will, disappointment, frustration, and so on. So, anger uh, or hatred is aversion striking out. Fear, on the other hand, is aversion pulling back or contracting within. So the aversion of the anger or hatred ego is striking out with rude words or with harmful bodily actions like uh, hitting another person with a fist or beating another person with a stick or uh, shooting another person. So that's uh, anger as aversion striking out. Then the aversion of the fear ego is pulling back or contracting within. It's the ego that contracts within as a form of rejection uh, of the object or the situation. So when fear is present in our minds, it's extremely restricting. It's limiting, it can be paralyzing, and on top of that, it's also distorting our uh, view, our experience. And so, how can we go, go beyond this limitation in our practice? How can we get out of this uh, restriction or confinement? Basically, our restriction or our confinement is our comfort zone. We have our comfort zone in regard to the body, in regard to bodily sensations, in regard to our emotions, to our thoughts and feelings. And so when we come to the edge or boundary of this comfort zone, then very often fear arises. The fear of the unknown, of the unfamiliar, what is uh, beyond uh, this limit, what is over there. Because we have never gone there, we don't know. But it's frightening to go a bit further, to make another step, to make a step, another step into the unknown, into the unfamiliar. And so fear arises, and very often that's like uh, a break, then we don't go any further. And because we don't go any further, we don't know what's uh, over there. So when fear arises, then we get kind of stuck. Fear makes us uh, contract within. Anger may arise. We want to stop. We want to avoid the fear. We want to run away. Basically, 
we don't want to deal with it because it's such an uncomfortable experience. So let's have a look <clears throat> at our meditation practice. For example, there is the experience of pain. So this can be sensations of aching or heat or pulling or throbbing or needle sharp pains. So this is the actual experience. Just heat or aching or pulling or throbbing a variety of bodily sensations. And with a certain amount of mindfulness when you observe these sensations we come to see that they are changing. They uh, may become a bit more intense or they become weaker. They may change from here to there. They may expand or they may uh, contract to one tiny little spot. Or there is an uh, experience of a difficult emotion. So bringing our mindfulness to this difficult emotion, what we experience is we feel uncomfortable. Feeling of insecurity may arise. It feels very distressing, maybe threatening, frightening. And when it's a strong emotion, then we also will experience the manifestations in the body, such as raising of the pulse or shaking or feeling of constriction and so on. So as long as this experience is the pain or the emotion are not getting too strong and they are not getting too intense, as long as they are bearable, then we are more or less okay. Although it's an unpleasant experience, we still can hold the place, be there, watch and observe. But when this experience is uh, grow stronger, when they become too strong or too intense, then the mind reacts with fear. So then the mind pulls back or contracts within, doesn't uh, want to face this experience any longer. And so exactly this is the place uh, where we have to uh, work with. To work with this fear is an essential part of our practice. We cannot avoid it. It just comes when it comes. And we cannot get around it. There's somehow no way to bypass it. Bypass it. There's no shortcut. So when fear arises, we can ask ourselves, like, in which situations does fear arise? And what are our limitations? 
Where is our edge? Let's again take the example of some physical pain. Physical pain, most obviously, it's painful, it's unpleasant, it's uncomfortable. And so, if this experience uh, gets more intense, if the pain becomes stronger, then how does the mind react? Usually, the mind doesn't like a stronger pain, something unpleasant. And so, disliking arises, maybe impatience arises, the desire to make this pain go away arises. And if the pain doesn't go away, if it doesn't uh, dissolve, if it stays there, then the mind being faced with this strong, um, un- unpleasant pain then the mind, the ego, can come up with all sorts of justifications um, why it's not good to observe this pain. And it could be that pain, uh, staying with the pain, is harmful to the body, that we could uh, be hurt through that. And so, believing the ego, then meditators may surrender to it and get up, or shift the posture, (coughs) or never sit uh, long enough in sitting meditation. And so, many meditators need some encouragement for observing pain. And they also need the assurance that observing pain is, in most cases, not detrimental to their health. Most of the pain is what we would call meditation pain that comes up in the course of meditation practice. But, and this kind of pain, as I said, is usually Uh, not dangerous to observe. Usually when we get up from the sitting or when we uh, change our posture, this kind of pain uh, goes away quite quickly. It doesn't stay there. However, if some pain uh, persists, even if we have gotten up from our sitting meditation, if it's still there after half an hour of walking meditation, then that would be a sign of uh, being careful about that kind of pain. And then this should be uh, carefully discussed whether or not it's good to observe. And so... If meditators become a bit more courageous to stay with pain a bit longer, even if it seems to be unbearable, then once they are able 
to cross over their fear, having recognized the fear, but not having succumbed to the fear, then uh, they can be uh, quite amazed to see what this thing called pain actually is. And so they come, can come to realize that this pain, even very strong forms of physical pain, is just this natural process of ongoing sensations. There is heat, there is throbbing, there is aching, there is pulling, and so on. But now being able to uh, clearly watch it and observe it, meditators come to see it's just, just a natural process. There is nothing uh, substantial in it because they see just changing. Uh, there is no solid core in the pain. There is no me or self in the pain or around the pain. So in this phase of the practice, when there is enough courage and when meditators do not shrink back from this experience, then they can have some quite they can have some quite extraordinary or amazing experiences. For example, by just uh, observing this pain, they can come to see that this strong and even excruciating pain at one stage starts to dissolve, get weaker and finally completely disappeared. And because they have never taken their time to observe pain in this way, uh, they have never seen that the pain can actually dissolve by itself. They always had to either shift the posture or stand up or do something to make the pain go away. But now they can come to see that pain, even the strongest forms, are impermanent phenomena. Or some meditators uh, report that when they were observing pain, which was quite intense, that it happened all of a sudden, there was like a big explosion, and with that the pain was gone, completely disappeared. Or at other times meditators can observe that this intense, unpleasant, painful sensation uh, changes and then actually turns into a pleasant sensation. So, if we learn to open to the pain and also to the associated mental states such as fear and anxiety, when we learn that in the course of our meditation practice, so this actually proves to be a good training for when we get sick or for dying. In meditation, 
if it gets too strong or too unbearable, we always can shift our posture a little bit or uh, get up from the sitting. But in our daily life, when we get sick or when we are facing death, then very often uh, changing the posture doesn't relieve our pain. And so then it will be very helpful if we have learned how to deal with pain, unpleasant uh, experiences. A friend of mine in Switzerland, she suffers from chronic uh, rheumatism since about the age of 25. Now she's in her 50s. And so this uh, chronic rheumatism uh, gives her pain, a lot of pain. And initially she took painkillers for her pain. But as it turned into a chronic uh, pain, so she stopped taking painkillers because otherwise she would have been, she would be on painkillers all the time, every day, and she doesn't want to have the negative side effects of these medications. So she has stopped taking these painkillers and now it's just to deal with the pain day in, day out. When the Buddha addressed uh, people who were sick, he used to ask them, even though your body is experiencing all these painful feelings, can your mind be at peace? We can ask ourselves, can our mind be at peace when our body is sick? It's a possibility, but it takes training and practice. In my initial years, when I was practicing meditation in Burma, I was staying at the Chamyayeta Meditation Center in Yangon with Chamyay Sayado, or Sayado Ujanaka. And at that time, there was an, a very old Sayado staying in the center. He had been one of the teachers of Chamyay Sayado. And during times when I was not engaged in intensive meditation practice, then sometimes Mimi and I would go and pay respect to this old Sayado. His name was Kokowa Sayado. His health was not very good and actually his health was deteriorating, was getting sicker and weaker. And so one day when we went to his room wanting to pay respect to him, uh, the attendant came and opened and so we said that we wanted to pay respect and so the attendant said that Kokowa Sayado was taking rest, lying on his bed. But he said, okay, we could come in. And so 
he went up to Kokowa Sayadaw and said that Mimi and myself were there to pay respect to him. And then immediately Kokowa Sayadaw started to make an attempt to sit up in his bed. And apparently uh, it must have been quite painful for him to sit up. And so Mimi and I very quickly said that he didn't need to sit up, that he could pay our respects while he was lying. But uh, he made this effort to sit up in the bed, and so we paid our respect. And it was obvious, he was suffering, and his body was in pain. But looking uh, into his eyes, his eyes, they were just shining and radiant and his facial expression was very serene and peaceful. So there was no trace of suffering uh, on his face. When we work with pain we need to differentiate between different kinds of pain. We cannot deal with all kinds of pain in the same manner. So there is the pain as a danger signal. And so with this kind of pain, then we immediately need to get away from it. For example, if you put your hand into a fire, then uh, you need to pull it out immediately. I remember when I was young, my mother was talking with a neighbor uh, under the door, and we had an electrical stove, and I wanted to see whether the plates were cold. And so, uh, with two fingers, I put them on the plate. And immediately I withdrew the fingers because the plate was still very hot. <laughs> Another form of pain is the pain or discomfort of accumulated tensions in the body. And this kind of pain can be observed in our meditation practice without any problems. So if we can observe this kind of pain without fear, then an amazing opening could take place. Then we could observe the unwinding uh, of knots, of tensions that we have been carrying around in our bodies for years or even for decades. Another pain is what is called the pain of healing. In, especially in the Burmese meditation centers, there are many reports from meditators who have been healed through the practice of meditation. For example, in the Mahasi meditation centers, center, 
they collected the reports from meditators who were cured from the sickness while they were uh, engaging in meditation practice. And so uh, there is this little booklet called, I think, a Vipassana cure. And so diseases that have been cured as a side effect from the practice of Vipassana meditation include asthma, heart problems, uh, gastritis, tumors, eczema, or arthritis. And actually, in all these years that I stayed in Burma, and especially since I started to translate for the foreign meditators, I have come across a number of foreign meditators who also overcame uh, some of their sickness that they were afflicted with for a number of years. One Malaysian uh, meditator uh, overcame a tumor that she had in her armpit, for example. A German meditator uh, got rid of his eczema that he had for many, many years and that he had been treating with Western medicine but uh, until that time uh, unsuccessfully. There is a set of mental factors called the Bojangas or the factors of enlightenment and they are actually considered to be medicine. And they do not only cure the illnesses of the body, but, and this is more important, they have the uh, potential to cure the disease of the mind. And the disease of the mind, the mental sickness, is nothing other than the defilements. How we relate to physical pain in our meditation practice can show us a lot of how we habitually react to other kinds of unpleasant experience uh, in our day-to-day lives. So do we have this ability to stay with what is unpleasant or painful? Or does the mind just blindly react, either with fear or aversion? Some people hold the view that observing pain, observing pain in the course of uh, meditation practice, is a form of self-mortification. And the Buddha despised self-mortification, so they think that this should not be done. But actually, this is not true. Observing pain in our meditation practice is not a form of self-mortification, but a way to learn, understand pain, to know uh, what this experience is all about.
pain, physical pain, is quite coarse and therefore it's very distinct and obvious. So it's a very distinct object that can be easily recognized by the mind. Because it's so distinct and obvious, it's not so difficult for the mind to focus on it. After the initial resistance to observe pain, meditators usually make friends with pain. And later on, they even come to appreciate uh, its presence. Some meditators who have overcome the coarse and strong forms um, of uh, physical pain, when objects become quite subtle, sometimes they wish for a strong physical pain to arise, because then they would have quite a clear and distinct meditation object. And later on, meditators also come to realize that even the strongest forms of physical pain is nothing compared to the much more difficult forms of mental pain. And so therefore, learning to face physical pain is a first step to make the mind ready to face the more difficult forms of mental pain mental anguish, fear, anxiety, and so on. For example, if we have never run a marathon, then we do not just go and participate in a marathon. The result would be disastrous. Already halfway, uh, we would probably uh, crash So if you want to uh, run a marathon, then what is needed uh, is to do a training. So then we would train to run longer and longer distances until finally we have the strength and stamina to run a marathon. And so, likewise, in our meditation practice, we need to train our mind to become less fearful and to make it stronger, to be able to face stronger and more intense forms of pains and suffering. To the question why enlightenment happened in stages, Saito Upandita said, that this was so because one could not bear so much pain at once. Another form of pain is anticipated pain. Like when pain arises, little uh, tingling, a little pulling in the leg, so that's still okay. But the mind then can already anticipate in what strong and intense pain this pulling of the leg can develop into. And again, this 
is the ego, the fear ego that fears for its well-being. And so if there is no mindfulness, then the ego can create a whole scenario of how this pain is going to be, how it's going to be uh, developing, and maybe uh, how much damage it can do to our body. My teacher, Jamir Sayadaw, very often used to say, pain is the key to the door of Nibbana. And this quote of Jamir Saido is very true. Pain can be the gateway to the deathless. So if we can come to that stage when we can face pain without fear, then much of the Buddha's teaching is illuminated. At first, these moments of fearless mindfulness may not last very long. There may be just short little glimpses. But as this personal experience gives us confidence and courage, then we can further probe into this issue of pain. And so in these moments of clear mindfulness, then we can come to see the pain as this constellation of painful, unpleasant uh, sensations. We see they are changing from moment to moment. They are painful, they are unpleasant, but they are not, not solid. There's nothing really substantial in these painful moments. There are just these sensations of heat or throbbing or stabbing, aching, pressing, burning and so on. That's all there is. And with strong enough mindfulness, no fear arises because reality is seen as it is. It's just these sensations, nothing more. There is no I in these painful sensations or behind. There is no self. There is heat and the mind that knows it. That's all in that moment. So, in such moments, we come to see very clearly that these painful sensations are simple, natural processes happening. There is no control over these processes, over these phenomena. And they do not belong to us. They come and they go. They arise with certain causes and conditions. And they disappear again. So we come to clearly see that these are selfless processes taking their own course. And further on, when we open up more and more 
to painful, unpleasant experiences in our meditation practice, we come to see that this is just naturally happening. When there is a body, there can be painful, unpleasant experiences. It's not because we do something wrong, or it's not a mistake to have pain. It's simply because this happens naturally. With causes and conditions, it can happen. And when the necessary causes and conditions are no longer present, then they will cease. So it's simply in the nature of the body that unpleasant experiences can arise. Even fully enlightened persons are still subject to physical pain, physical unpleasant sensations. Maybe you have heard that even the Buddha was uh, uh, afflicted with pain in the back at times, or sometimes he was suffering from a headache. This exploration of pain, mental distress, fear, anxiety in our meditation practice and the resulting understanding helps us to bring this understanding into other aspects of our life. So we can uh, see that we can apply the same principles of an open and fearless mindfulness difficult emotions in our life, for example. This open and unjudgmental awareness is a great tool for not falling into the trap of fear. Even though we find ourselves at the edge of what seems to be possible, we still have the courage to take another step without being terrified of the unknown. When we are not in the grip of fear, then we are free. And so in this place of freedom, we have the chance to act wisely and appropriately. However, if we are in the grip of fear, then we simply react out of our Habitual, habitual patterns, conditioned reactions. And if fear arises all the same, then at least we can recognize it and apply awareness to it. We can say, ah, fear, here you are again. Welcome, my friend. But this time I have recognized you and I will not fall into your trap. Still, your presence makes me feel miserable. My knees are shaking, my heart is racing, but I can be aware of it without succumbing to you. Now, another aspect of fear uh, arises naturally in the course of our 
Vipassana meditation practice. And among the stages of insight knowledge, there is this one stage of insight knowledge called the insight knowledge of fear. After meditators have seen the arising and disappearance of phenomena very clearly and distinctly, then comes this stage where the arisings of objects is not seen anymore, but all the meditators see is the constant disappearance of phenomena. It's this constant dissolution of objects that are observed, one after the other, and it can happen quite rapidly. So the meditator is faced with this constant, uh, incessant uh, dissolution and disappearance of objects, one after the other, just disappearing, 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 disappearing. And as a result of that disappearance of objects, the mind reacts with fear. Because objects are disappearing constantly and all the time, the, the mind has nothing to hold on anymore. It's like the ground under the feet is pulled away. And so, naturally, the mind reacts with fear. The mind is uh, frightened. And when meditators experience this kind of fear, it seems to be quite strange because there is no obvious object that causes fear. It's unlike other experiences of fear when the fear has been triggered by some object or situation. But in this instance, there is simply this fear and there, is, there seems to be no obvious cause for this fear to arise. But for the mind, the constant dissolution of objects is really fearful. So although this is quite a frightening, unpleasant experience, but this inside knowledge of fear is an important step to further progress uh, in the meditation practice. And to navigate through this difficult stretch uh, on the path, it's very important to have an experienced teacher who can uh, guide you through this dark and difficult phase. Otherwise, the ego would just uh, react with fear and shrink back and not dare to, to take one step more. Fear is one of the last barriers of the ego. And this is why when we meditate in the Buddhist context, we start by taking refuge in the Triple Gem, taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. This act of taking refuge gives us protection. A refuge is a shelter. It uh, gives us protection. And so 
as we give ourselves into the hands of the Buddha, then we are safely held in, uh, in his palms. So then we are secure, we are in a place of safety, we are protected and nothing can harm us. And with this uh, feeling of safety, of protection, with this inner assurance, then we gain the courage to jump over the edge or to push the limit of our comfort zone a bit further. So may all of you have the courage to face your fears, understand them, and finally leave them completely behind. May all of you become fully liberated. Thank uh-huh.